Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 576 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 28th of September 2021 as I record this. So today's episode is a special in-betweeny-sode, an interview with Will Dagus from Findaway Voices. We talk about listening trends, subscription services, libraries and the future of audiobook consumption, social audio platforms and marketing, as well as the crossover between podcasts and audiobooks and the potential for new forms of creativity when an audio product doesn't have to match a book. And very excitingly, we introduce the Findaway Voices Marketplace, where authors can find and work directly with professional narrators. Now, I've been sitting on this interview for a few weeks, so I am really excited to share it with you today. It feels like, as ever, the audiobook world just keeps expanding in possibility. So the first feature of the marketplace has just launched. Narrators can create their enhanced profile and share it with authors everywhere. And when the full launch of the marketplace happens later this year, basically, it will provide authors with a searchable and trusted space to connect with narrators, as well as free tools to help manage production from end to end and the power to bring audiobooks to market quickly. As always, with Findaway Voices, there is no exclusivity and you keep your rights. Plus, you have the opportunity to sell worldwide through the largest audiobook distribution network. I've been with Findaway for a couple of years now and I love having wide audio. In fact, remember, you can get the relaxed author everywhere through Findaway. Well, I only just used it a couple of weeks ago. And this new marketplace will make it much easier to find and work with professional narrators. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Will today as we geek out on the ever-expanding opportunities with audio. Will Dagus is the head of Findaway Voices, which helps authors produce and distribute audiobooks to a global network of platforms and listeners. Findaway Voices was recently announced as London Book Fair's Audiobook Publisher of the Year in 2021, which is fantastic and well-deserved. So welcome back to the show, Will. Thank you so much, Joanna. Always great to talk to you. Oh, yeah. And we always geek out on audio. (laughs) But you were last on the show in early 2019, and the world has certainly changed since then. I wondered, can you give us a high level overview of what the audiobook market looks like right now? And and how has the pandemic changed things? Absolutely, man, that feels like a lifetime ago. I'm sure you agree. (laughs) The world has been through a lot in those last two years. Luckily, though, one thing that has been pretty constant is the growth of audiobooks still. The latest APA stats show another 16% growth in sales year over year, which means eight straight years of double digit revenue growth for audiobooks, which is fantastic. Uh, You know, talking about industry, uh, they also have some interesting stats like 50, 50%, 50% of audiobook listeners say they're making new time to listen to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And I think the interesting thing there is more and more surveys are coming out that the home is the most popular place to listen where a few years ago, I think that would be much more skewed towards cars and commute. And I think a lot of people think of audiobooks as being this kind of commute buddy. But more people are really carving out time in their leisure time at home 
while doing chores or housework or exercising or going on walks and finding time to listen there, which is helping grow the entire industry. The other trend that we've been seeing industry-wide is shorter books getting more traction. People picking up books that are one, two, or three hours long. And as the market kind of grows outside of Audible, where the credit model kind of demands longer books, right? Uh, You want to get your credits worth out of that credit by looking at the number of hours. When the market grows around that and the books are appropriately priced or they're in subscription models or libraries, like shorter content is having having its day. And we're seeing a lot more trends towards shorter content being really profitable. And what about on a global basis? Because I, I, a lot of the stats seem to be US focused as usual, but it, it feels to me from some of the things I've heard at London Book Fair and other things that there's been growth in other languages and also other countries, whereas the market probably was more dominant in the US, UK, Canada before. But what, have you got any sort of uh, feeling for that? Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate that most of the surveys and the the organizations that that pay for the research are in the US. So it is a little US focused, right? But we release every year the headphone report is what we call it. And this is on our blog and stuff. And you can see some of our stats where it's also, you know, our, the finally voices reports that we've put out are not including big publisher data. So it's a little bit more representative of what, you know, this audience of, of your listeners is seeing. And we're seeing growth outside the US, especially in Canada, Australia, Sweden, England, uh, Mexico, and different languages that are are really growing. Spanish, obviously, is our fastest non-English language that has been growing like crazy. And then behind that, German, Italian, Russian, and French are all really picking up steam. So our catalog is still really weighted towards English content, just because that's where the market seems to be more mature. But these emerging markets are really growing at a fast rate. And we're seeing a lot more diversity in sales worldwide for authors. So you mentioned there subscription models and libraries, and this seems to be a very big discussion, both amongst indie authors and traditional publishers. I mean, on the one hand, people say, oh, no, subscription models are going to kill everything and they take everything to zero. And on the other hand, it sort of like expand the markets and uh, the customer loves it. So what subscription platforms does Findaway distribute to and, and how can authors take advantage of the growth of these services? Yeah, I, I, I think subscription models are so strong uh, and so important to an author's overall portfolio. There's no denying that a lot of consumer sentiment is moving towards subscription or has already moved towards subscription. This is, you know, how many subscription movie platforms do we do we subscribe <laughs> yeah. to now? Yeah, Disney Plus <laughs> and Netflix and Hulu and all of these. This is how you consume content and audiobooks are growing in the same way. So we have a really strong base of subscription partners. We have about 15 of them on the retail side that we work with. Obviously, Audible is still subscription, even though it's a credit subscription. You're still, uh, we still classify that as subscription. And then Kobo has a subscription. Uh, AnyPlay, Scribd is a big one. Storytel is a big one. We work with a whole bunch of others. I don't, I don't need to list them all out, but they're growing. They're helping really diversify and be incremental revenue for a lot of authors. And it's a platform where you're on equal footing with every other book on the platform because there's no price next to the book. Somebody has paid elsewhere for access to the the book and you don't have a a price war on Scribd. There's no price next to your book. So it's really seamless for consumers. And we're seeing that really gain in popularity uh, and help authors out in a good way. 
Mm. I think I feel like the difference is that if people are used to being paid uh, by, let's say, ACX with that credit model and the the a la carte model, the micropayments that go around subscription and library services, they can take a bit of getting used to. It's just a very different way of doing audio, I guess. Yeah, you have to approach it differently. You, you don't want to approach it with an a la carte mindset. To, to start buying ads and pushing people towards subscription platforms. That's that's not going to be profitable, but using it as incremental, using it as additive, or trying to get some real scale going. You know, I we have some customers who like uh, the, the, the paper use library uh, model gives pretty small payouts. You're talking like between 50 cents and a dollar per checkout, right? But we've I've seen people who regularly, consistently every month are making five figures just from that that business model because they've been able to get traction with book clubs and library clubs and they've effectively marketed to libraries. And the strategies are much different than if you're doing a la carte sales because of a lot of different reasons. One, that your consumer's not paying. <laughs> They're getting it for free from their library. But at the same time, you're not going to want to spend $3 in your cost of acquisition uh, in marketing to somebody who's going to pay you back a dollar uh, per listen. So you have to think about it a little bit differently. But it's a great tool in the tool belt. And there's not many people on the platform uh, that are just making library sales. You know, they're not just making subscription sales. It's one part of a really healthy sales portfolio. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I mean, I always just, I put on various uh, pages on my website and on my email list. Hey, remember you can get my books for free at the library or on your favorite subscription platform. And and when I look at my Find Your Way report, it is across all these different areas rather than just one vendor, which I think it, it is the wide mindset, isn't it? That, it's that is the world we're striving for. That's, that's yeah. the audiobook biz. That's the audiobook world we want to, to exist. And that's what, that's why our whole service exists. You know, that's why we don't have three partners. We have 40, uh, is we, we want that diversity and that healthiness in the ecosystem. We want everybody to help build the audiobook ecosystem up. And that's why we're positioned the way we are. And that's why we're happy when we see that diversity in the, in the sales reports. And one one of the other things that's that's pretty awesome is the chirp the partnership with Chirp and the fact that I can do promotions there. And again, it's US focused, but it's um, still a really interesting time because we, I feel like with audiobook promotion we haven't had such great options before. But are you finding a, a lot of um, good opportunities for authors through Chirp? Yeah, don't don't sleep on Chirp. If you're listening to this and you haven't submitted uh, your audiobook to a Chirp deal, I would highly recommend that you do it. You mentioned it's US focused. They have recently expanded into Canada. So if you're a listener in the US or Canada, you can you can buy on Chirp. Uh, but it's open to authors anywhere in the world. There's no Joanna, you can put all your books on Chirp. Uh, oh, I'm I sure have. that I'm sure they are on Chirp. Yeah. <laughs> but just because you can't listen as a consumer, they haven't opened up to the, the UK yet, doesn't mean that you can't put your books as an author there. Uh, and it's free to get a chirp featured deal right now. You know, unlike bookbubs are pretty expensive, you know, they're worth it, but they're expensive. On the Chirp side, you're not paying anything right now uh, for a Chirp deal. So you can apply once a month through the BookBub uh, partner dashboard. And I would encourage everybody to do that because we're not only seeing great results on the book that gets featured, but the rest of the series gets bumped for months. The resulting reviews that happen from that help boost it. Because remember, uh, Chirp is a full retailer. They're not just a platform for featured deals. They're a platform that helps sell books just kind of every day. And the featured deals help bring people in. 
but more people are loving the app and and continuing to use it to for follow-on purchases. The other thing that they just launched, uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Joanna, but they launched the ability to follow authors. So you can have a market yourself on the Chirp platform to have people follow you. And then they get email notifications anytime you discount your price, even if you're not running a featured deal. No, I love it. And you can also on BookBub itself do BookBub ads for audiobooks and the the cost per click is much, much lower right now. And some authors are clearly focusing on Chirp because I found some great target authors <laughs> with with many, many, many more listeners than they have readers on the ebook promotion. So that that's one option. Now, I wanted to ask you about social audio, which I find very difficult as an introvert. This is about as social as I get on audio. <laughs> you and me. But you're doing chats on Clubhouse. And uh, I just got an invite to a session about Fireside, which is, I think, launching soon. Facebook have audio, Twitter have social something coming. So what are your thoughts on how social audio fits into this sort of wider ecosystem of voice-first marketing? Well, personally, I've had a lot of fun with Clubhouse. I got in pretty early on it. And I actually, I have the handle at audiobooks. So if you're interested in connecting with me on Clubhouse, you can find me that way. I've had a lot of great talks with authors and there's a really strong narrator community there as well. In general, my my perspective on marketing doesn't really change based on the platform. It's you go where the attention is, right? Your currency in marketing is, is attention. And if there's a lot of people on a platform, I think you want to be there. And so nobody likes to be sold to either, right? So you have to find ways of marketing your book and marketing yourself that that are natural. And I think you can have a lot of fun with it on some new platforms that are still kind of getting their legs and the best practices haven't been written yet. I think we saw this with TikTok uh, for the last couple of years. TikTok is getting huge in book marketing right now. And it's, it's very different from all the other forms of marketing, but it's where the attention is. And I think Clubhouse is the exact same way. There's a lot of attention around these platforms. Which one will win? I don't know. Is it going to be Clubhouse? Is it going to be Green Room? Is it going to be Facebooks or Twitters? I, you know, that doesn't matter to me as much as where does the attention go and how can you innovate on those platforms to grab more attention? Because that will that will lead to good things for your book sales. Although what I find very uh, difficult about, and I did go on to Clubhouse, but because it's a live platform, again, this is the international voice, uh, you know, my international voice, which is if everything is done in the time zone of, of the US, then when I log on, it's either completely the wrong time of day for me or or when I log on, actually, most people on there seem to be in Asia. So it's a very different time zone thing. And I don't believe they have recordings still. So it, it means that, yes, you get a certain sociability, but it's only within a time zone, which when all the marketing that I've done for over a decade has been international in focus, that to me is is difficult. Yeah, I, I, I totally see that. But I also see it as an opportunity. Have you never reached people in those time zones before? And is this a unique opportunity to reach other English speakers in those time zones and establish yourself in a new way? I've also seen some really interesting things in the narrator communities about early early bird UK narrators meet late night US authors, or <laughs> yeah. you know, like these matchups <laughs> where you're kind of embracing the time zone difference and saying, boy, us, us uh, night owls have never talked to you or morning morning birds before uh, and we're going to mash up in a new way here because it does have to be live. So I would I'd always encourage you to look for the opportunity there that comes from that limitation. 
Mm, no, it's a good attitude. And I mean, the, also, I think it, it fits with, as you said, the growth in audiobook listening and also podcast listening, which is people are sick of their screens. You know, like you, you and I are on Zoom, but we've turned off the video and it, it's too stressful to always have screens on. So I almost feel like the rise of these social audio platforms are uh, sort of b- because people are sick of live video and too much video and and all of that. Do, do you think that it's happened more because of the pandemic? I yeah, I think so. I I think that if you connect with people on an audio platform, it's only going to be good for your audiobooks. It shows that people are hungry for more listening, and it's a unique platform. And and I'm excited to see where it goes. I don't know which one will win again, and I'm not sure what the winning strategy will be on any of them, but. Uh, anything that's that's giving more popularity to audio is good in my book. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then I guess uh, now old school would be just podcasts like this uh, that are also still growing. You've been listening to podcasts for many years, but some people are only have only really discovered them I- in the pandemic. I believe one of the statistics out of the APA or whatever is about the crossover between pod- people who listen to podcasts and people who listen to audiobooks. So what are your thoughts on using podcasts for audiobook marketing? I love it. I, I've actually seen it go both ways. So I've seen, you know, authors will will go on the kind of the blog tour of podcasts and they'll do things that way. But also I've seen podcast platform or not podcast platforms, podcast, uh, podcasters. Sorry, I was grasping for the word there. <laughs> leveraging audiobook markets as a monetization channel as well. So I think there's a lot of interesting crossover both ways, both for listeners and authors. And I think the line is increasingly blurring between a podcast and an audiobook in a lot of ways. Maybe not an interview show like this one. There is still a you know pretty thick line between that, but something that's a little bit more narrative and storytelling and is not taking on different guests every week or month or whatever the cadence is. I've seen a lot of uh, podcasters starting to poke around the audiobook space as a potential way to monetize instead of just going to podcasting, uh, bundling that up and selling it as an audiobook. And I think consumers just want a good story. You know, they just want to be entertained. And I think that there's a lot of room for some crossover marketing between the two. Then I guess that does bring us to the actual product of an audiobook, because as you said, there are more and more crossovers. And we've seen Malcolm Gladwell, and I think it's Pushkin, his um, mm-hmm. publisher, or for his audio anyway, do do an audio first launch that they're actually selling direct from their own platform that he, I think I remember, launched as a sell direct link originally, which is, is fascinating. And I heard a lot of publishers at uh, one of the events saying, yeah, we're going to do more audio first products. So given that Findaway have uh, rules around what is an audiobook and what is a podcast, what, what are your thoughts on where the lines blur between them both and what still is an audiobook product versus, say, a multicast audio production? Yeah, I, look, I'm really open about this kind of stuff. I, if you have a podcast that's narrative and you want to bundle it up as an audiobook and sell it, there's no problem. There's no um, requirement that all of the content that comes through Findaway Voices has to be based on a written book. And we are building more tools and more processes to help bring more of those stories in. You know, there's some technical things like you need opening and closing credits uh, that might not exist. But there's also some things that I think can be borrowed from podcasts that maybe should make their way into audiobooks more, which is if you listen to a serialized podcast at the beginning of every one, they're reminding you what happened at the last episode. And you don't get that in audiobooks chapter to chapter, but 
nobody listens to a whole 10 hour audiobook in one sitting or very few people do. Those little reminders every once in a while of where you are in the story might be helpful. And so, so yeah, the audiobook does not have to mirror the ebook or the print book at all. And it doesn't even have to be sourced on that. I think one of the interesting things Malcolm Gladwell is doing there is he's designing his audiobooks to, you know, he's writing them to be read, not writing them uh, read aloud, I should say. <laughs> he's, he's writing them for the ear, not writing them for the eye. And that, that changes the way you write and the way you present a story. And maybe there's a little less exposition and maybe you get into things a little bit faster because there's no skimming through a page or something when you're listening to a book. Uh, and I think as more authors take that mindset of kind of borrowing some of the best thing from, from podcast and changing up the narrative style, I think that's what's going to help evolve the audiobook industry in a really interesting way that, uh, that then, you know, in turn blurs the lines even more for consumers. Mm, I totally agree. And I find this fascinating. I definitely, my writing has changed since I have written for audio, well, not written for audio, but written with an awareness that it will be narrated, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, you know, once you understand how narration works, it really changes your brain. But I love the fact that you said there uh, that books on Find A Way uh, or the audio product doesn't have to be linked to a specific ebook or print book because that to me just frees it. And I feel like as soon as people put constraints around things, you think that that is all there is. So the constraint that ACX has is it has to be linked to a a book book. And this just expands the possibility. So I'm really excited about that. But you did mention there that Findaway has uh, tools and processes that can help authors. And uh, you've also got some exciting new things happening. So, So tell us about that. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited about this because we've been working on this for a really long time and I'm excited to break the news uh, to your audience here. Uh, so we are building a marketplace for audiobook production and it's going to be a free platform for creating audiobooks. You can use it anywhere in the world. It's not limited to just a couple countries. And basically it's going to be a set of tools that will help an author and a narrator both find each other and work through a production to get a finished audiobook. So we've taken everything we've learned over the last 15 years as a company, and we've rebuilt these tools from the ground up, uh, and we're giving the tools away for free. We want to be in the center of the audiobook, the audiobook production world, and we're going out with really great terms as well. Like we're not locking you into our platform, we're not charging anything extra for this. The only charge for the audiobook will be the cost of the narration that you do. There's no extra upcharge from Findaway Voices, and so I'm really excited for that because there's. There's not a great global hub for audiobook production. You know, Joanna, if you were to say be on Clubhouse and you met a narrator mm. and you wanted to like learn more about them, where would you where would you go to learn more about that narrator? How would you find them? I'd probably just Google them and hope they had a website. <laughs> See, we that's that's what we want to solve. We want to say, I'm gonna go look for the narrator, and I know the first result that pops up is gonna be on Findaway, and I'm gonna be able to learn about them, and I'm gonna be able to hear all their samples, and I'm gonna be able to see how many productions they've done in the past and what books that they've done. And and so we're really building this hub. There's gonna be uh live or uh, you know, public narrator profiles for anybody who wants one, which are beautiful. I'm really excited. I wish this was a more visual medium so I could share, but you'll see them soon because they are opened up for narrators to to sign up now and start building these out. And they're going to be the hub for their narrator business. And we have some really, really cool stuff to help them sell themselves and present themselves in really cool ways. But from from an author's perspective, this is going to be a great way to take the control yourself on finding the narrator you want, 
we've done casting services and, and full service productions since the start, but we've never just opened up the catalog of narrators and said, search yourself. And here's the great tools to help you work through a production on your own. So that's what's different between you know yesterday and today, which is uh, we're opened up for narrators to start building their profiles. And later this fall, we'll be open for authors to search for narrators and work through productions themselves. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, very exciting. And uh, a couple of questions there. So yep. it's a normal thing to find one narrator and one author who get together and do a project. But what about, you mentioned full production with multiple people casting, and, and also sometimes there are co-authors on books. So can we have more than just one narrator, one author? Is that something you might include in the future? Absolutely. We want to include that in the future. It's not going to be there for launch. Uh, this has been an enormous undertaking to get it to launch of and we're, we want to get it in people's hands uh, soon. So at the launch, it's going to be one narrator, or one author. But after that, we definitely want to start supporting more and more use cases, including co-authors or more uh, and multiple narrators on a production as well. This is a broader question, but in terms of sound effects, does does Findaway allow sound effects in, in audiobooks? We do, but we caution people who do that, that it it may be rejected by some platforms Sometimes it gets flagged by ACX's extraneous noise, uh, music and sound effects and stuff like that. Most of our other partners, though, will take it no problem. And, and that's great. So if you want to bake those in, just know that you may not be able to sell that book on Audible. Uh, but other than that, all of our partners are, are happy to take those kind of audiobooks. No, that's good. Because I mean, this is where I feel like we're going next. For example, when I've listened to World War Z, as you call it, or World War Z uh, by Max Brooks, almost every chapter is narrated by a different author. And there are also various sound effects. And also the, that Malcolm Gladwell, um, the bomber, something about a bomber, isn't it? Um, bomber that, mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Bomber mafia. Um, these types of projects, I feel this is the future of audio, I, the sort of one for one you know, audiobook version of the same ebook, the same paperback. That's so like 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel agree. like there's and so much more we can do. <laughs> absolutely. And like I said earlier, there's no requirement that that what you have the narrator record is based on a book. As long as they know what to read, it can be a script instead of a manuscript. There's no problem there. And I think narrators would be excited about that as well. And and narrators are an innovative, uh, creative bunch as well. They bring a lot to a production. And I think if you were to like really inspire them with some some crazy idea, they most of them would be all about it and excited to experiment too. Yeah, definitely. Well, that is it's great to hear about that um, collaboration platform coming. So very excited. And just on, on one thing, I'm obviously a narrator as well as an author, and I have a number of um, books I've narrated on Findaway. Does that mean I'll be able to create a narrator profile as well? Absolutely. Uh, I would encourage anybody who wants to be hired for narration work to uh, to create a narrator profile. If you're only going to narrate your own books, it's not necessary, but pe- your, your listeners could absolutely find that. And it could add some credibility to your narration uh, to have a, a profile on Findaway. Uh, I would love to see that. And there's some really cool features. Uh, I, don't, I won't get in, into it too much because mm-hmm. I would encourage your listeners to go go search it out and sign up for a narrator profile if, if the, the listener is a narrator. But we have, for example, a, an audio introduction on the page, right? So most of the time when you're listening to narrator samples, they're from books and pieces of work that they've done, obviously work samples. But we thought, oh, well, instead of a bio where you just type it out, why not let these narrators introduce themselves with their voice and say, 
Hi, I'm Will Degas. I'm a narrator of romance audiobooks, and I love blah, 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 blah. And these kind of tools, we've, we've sprinkled in a lot of fun things like that. And we're excited to see the creative creativity in the community uh, leverage those for maybe in your case, you'd say, I'm Joanna Penn and I, I narrate all my own books and, and blah, 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 or however you want to introduce yourself to consumers, mm. because maybe you're not as interested in getting another nonfiction author to, to hire you to record books or however you want to use it. But it's open for mm. everyone today. I'm really excited to see how people start using them. Cool. So people just go to findawayvoices.com or is there a special link? Yep. If you are already signed up as a narrator on Findaway Voices, uh, you'll see a, a path to update your profile when you next log in. And otherwise, go to Findaway Voices and sign up as a narrator and you'll be um, shuffled right through the process to, to build your profile. Mm. And if people want to do an audiobook with a narrator, again, do they just go to Findaway Voices and sign up? Yeah, if you want to go to findawayvoices.com, right on the homepage, there's a way to sign up for updates. We're going to keep you updated on the progress. We're going to show you behind the scenes. We're going to offer up a beta test at some point if you want to participate in that. If you don't want to miss the actual launch of the tools to build a, to make a production as an author, you should definitely sign up uh, at findawayvoices.com and we'll, we'll keep you up to date and make sure you don't miss it. Oh, I'm very excited about that. And of course, I always feel like, you know, as Jeff Bezos says, we're always day one with audio. Like there seems more and more opportunities all the time. So again, this opens up more opportunities. So that's pretty exciting. And it won't be the end of it for sure, right? <laughs> no, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I, look, we're the center of the audiobook world right now. And we, you don't get to keep that crown by staying still. So we're always yes. thinking of what the next thing is. And I'm really excited for this as the start of something really big that we're going to keep building on. And we have I have big plans for the future too. Plans that take us beyond just being an audiobook distributor and help provide more value to authors in different ways. And I can only tease those at this point because they're, they're still early testing and early ideas, but we're going to keep growing, keep innovating in, in really fun ways. Excellent. Well, then I did want to ask you, given that you and I have uh, for many years now discussed uh, the interesting AI narration of audiobooks, and Google recently did a session on auto narration at Bookwire's audio event. And I've actually had Ryan Dingler from Google on this show talking about their AI narration. And they are offering AI voices for free. And they've said they're launching that by the end of 2021. Now, both of us really do value human narrators. And I don't think, I actually think we're going to expand the market with audio. I don't think it will be taking anyone's jobs. I think it will mean other languages, other accents, uh, more accessibility. So that's not what we're talking about here. But what are your thoughts on AI auto narration and, and how it might impact the market? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. We've obviously been keeping a keeping an ear <laughs> on the demos <laughs> as, as they've improved over the years. And I think what Google is doing is really interesting. And I enjoyed listening to Ryan on your podcast. I thought that was a great episode that was really, really interesting and in, informative. At this point, we're putting all our chips on human narration, as you can see with all the investment we've made into the marketplace platform. For us, it's all about human narrators and the human narrator community and investing in that. Uh, and so at this time, we're, we don't have any plans to uh, even allow distribution of non-human narrated audiobooks. That's, that's where we are right now. Do you think you will know, for example, you allow upload of finished files for distribution, given the quality of some of the voices coming out of Google and there are other companies, uh, will the Findaway system know that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. We we do QA of every single title that comes through our platform. So we we have uh, people who listen to a sampling of chapters and credits and everything, and it's still pretty obvious when an AI book comes through. So you know, every once in a while, one does slip through, and and maybe a consumer complains about it because when it does happen, nobody's going to want to not know, right? If a consumer believes they're paying for human narration. And then they realize when they get the book that it's actually a computer, they feel slighted. Like I, there's going to have to be some transparency. As of right now, everyone's expecting a human performance. So we get complaints if one falls through and we take it down immediately and, and handle that. But we're listening to every book. And I will say it's still pretty obvious when you're listening to audiobooks all day long and you're listening to narrators <laughs> all day long as, a, as somebody in QA who's listening to these books, you know, thousands of books a month that, that get submitted. Uh, it's still pretty obvious when, uh, when an AI book tries to slip through. Mm. And just for people listening, if they don't know, it's not the voice. The voice is fine. It's the intonation, right? There'll just be a weird intonation that makes you go, a human wouldn't say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) It can be that. It can be artifacts uh, that are like little glitches and stuff in the audio that gives it away. But yeah, a lot of time it's the cadence and the the prosody of, of the narration, not necessarily the quality of the voice itself. It is much further ahead in short form than long form. You know, when you ask Siri or Alexa to answer a question, you're much more forgiving when it's one sentence answer than when you're sitting down for a 10 hour audiobook. So, uh, yeah, a big difference in the industry there. But as of now, it's still pretty easy to catch and we don't have any plans to, to allow that on the platform. Then any other thoughts about where audio might be going in the next few years? Is there anything you're particularly excited about? For example, right now, I am actually talking, well, I'm talking to you with a microphone, but I'm listening to you with a, a jawbone headset, whatever you want to call it. So I don't actually have anything in my ears. And th- this is really weird. I've only just got this to stop putting things in my ears, basically. And th- <laughs> this is very weird. And but yeah, it feels completely fine. And I wondered if there was anything you, you thought you think cool at the moment since we're geeking out. <laughs> uh, I think the smart home speakers are just going to continue to get gain in popularity. And I think we've seen a big uptick on people who use those to listen to audiobooks. So I'm excited to see where, where that moves. And beyond that, I'm just, we already touched on this before, so I don't want to belabor it, but that intersection between best practices in podcasting and audiobooks and how can each kind of innovate off each other, I think is really interesting for the growth of the audiobook industry to move beyond just books to thinking more about stories. And I think when that author mindset shifts a little bit, we're going to see some crazy cool innovation in that in that area. Brilliant. Well, exciting times ahead. So just tell people one more time uh, where they can find you and everything Findaway does online. The best place to go is findawayvoices.com, all one word. Uh, and we're on social everywhere too at Findaway Voices. But start from the website and go from there. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Will. That was great. Thanks, Joanna. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.